You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a bonus edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter. Like we said, it's a bonus podcast today because the playoffs start on Saturday night, whenever you're listening to this, it's going to be coming out Friday afternoon. So we've got a lot to cover, and there's a lot going on with this team trying to break down this first-round series with the Portland Trailblazers. And I've got Karen Loftus of WGNO, sports reporter for them, joining me in just a minute here to do exactly that. But there's also a lot of other news going on around the NBA. We already have three coaching vacancies opening up so far. After the Knicks fired their head coach, now the Hornets have fired their head coach just today. And then yesterday you had Orlando firing Vogel as well. There's a lot of openings. That's also on top of the in-season firings that we saw already with the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. We had no off-season coaching changes last year. We're now kind of up to five openings so far. There's going to maybe be a lot of turnover and maybe some more coming around the NBA. So I want to catch you guys up on that. We got clips from Orlando and from New York talking about their coaching situations who they might be looking for a lot going on not just the playoffs so we're going to keep you up to date with everything going on with that and don't forget we'll have another bonus podcast coming out hopefully this evening or if not early tomorrow morning where i'm going to break down the series in depth stats the matchups everything you want to know but for today we're going to keep it on the overall nba and kind of taking a general look at this series with karen and joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I've got Karen Loftus, sports reporter for WGNO. Karen, thanks for joining me. Hi, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited. We were talking the other day. This is a fun time in New Orleans with the playoffs approaching, and they've got a winnable series here, don't they? They really do. And I think a bunch of us were talking about, you know, who they could be playing since there were, you know, a handful of teams that they could have been matched up with. And I feel like we all sort of agree that this is sort of the best case scenario. This is the one that they match up well with, you know, they've gone two and two with them throughout the regular season. Um, and they've been able to beat them. So I feel like this is a really good matchup for the Pelicans. Yeah, absolutely. And they've done a good job kind of containing that backcourt, which can be terrifying at times of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, but the, the, the defense steadily has improved over the year. Hasn't it? It really has, and especially as of late. I mean, when we were talking to the guys in the locker room after their win last night, that's something all of them mentioned is that, yeah, they were getting the points, but it was their defense that was leading to all that. They were getting the stops, Anthony Davis with the blocks, getting some turnovers, forcing the turnovers, and then just getting it down quick in transition and not having to set up their offense and just getting quick buckets made such a difference for them to be able to push the pace in the offense and sort of dictate the flow of the game and really stick it to the Spurs. And that all stems from the defensive end. And Anthony Davis, what he does as a rim protector, and then Drew Holiday in the perimeter. And if anybody, you know, gets past Drew, I mean, they have AD down there in the paint sort of as the backstop and, and sort of their backup option if somebody gets past the perimeter defense. 
Yeah, and that's been key. This is a team that really wants to get out and run. They've been number one in pace since the Marcus Cousins injury. They were top five in pace before that any, anyway, but they've really kicked it up because they're not, as you said, a great half-court team, and I think that's where you see droughts come into play for them. But this Portland team's going to be kind of challenging in that because it starts on the defensive end, as you said, and Portland's really good when it comes to offensive rebounding. They are. And, you know, the other fact that you mentioned before is, is Damian Lillard. And I feel like he's somebody that everybody's probably most concerned about is Damian Lillard. I was looking at some of these numbers and um, you talk about opponents who have, you know, been able to take advantage of the Pelicans defense. And it's Damian Lillard who has scored the most points in a quarter against the Pelicans. He's the player who's had the most field goals made in the most against the Pelicans. So I think defensively speaking, I think he's by far and away they're going to be their main focus of, of what they need to shut down the most. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where Drew Holiday is really going to come into play. And, you know, the most important player for the Pelicans is going to be Davis. But Holiday's impact both on offense and defense really can't be undersold at this point. He's had a career year. He should be on the first team all defense roster. They're going to need him to step up in a multiple uh, set of ways. They, they definitely do. And then just his contributions across the board, of course, his defense, even the things that aren't measured in the stat book, just his presence out there and what he can do on defense. And then also offensively, too, getting solid numbers from him. Um, offensively, points, assists, all that are going to be a, a well-rounded effort is what they need out of Drew Holiday, which they, they've seen many times this season. Yeah, they're also going to need Rondo. So do you think playoff Rondo is like a different person, a different thing? Because I know that's what I've been asked about a lot. He steps it up in yeah. these games. He he really does. And it's funny because, you know, you hear that. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm about it. I like I playoff Rondo. I, I think that's a thing. Um, and, you know, you see these spurts of things that he does in the games. And it's not like he's making plays every single time down or anything like that. But it's just like all of a sudden you're like, wait, where'd that come from? And I think it's like we've seen glimpses of playoff Rondo, you know, throughout the season. Um, just some bursts of quickness that sort of surprised me that I've seen. Um, so hopefully that's, you know, the glimpses we've seen are this playoff Rondo. And hopefully he shows up, you know, for the Pelicans, um, maybe some more frequent moments like that. Hey. He was a terror last year against the Boston Celtics when he was with the Chicago Bulls, just kind of pointing things out, and hopefully they can get it out of there. One of the things, look, we knew Rondo coming into this year is not the Rondo of old, but he's kind of almost been like reborn here in a way, and I think this really comes down to Alvin Gentry and how he's managed Rondo, but he's done a really good job managing the team as a whole, and I think we've seen the rotations change a little bit. Should he be getting some Coach of the Year votes? Um, yeah, I, I think he should definitely be in this, the discussion because I feel like part of that is, you know, what you can do with a team that maybe you're surpassing expectations. And not only has he, you know, led the Pelicans to the playoffs, which we all know a lot of people didn't think they were going to be here. I did personally. Um, I, I like but, the optimism. You know, just, yeah, you know, but I think that he's done more with the Pelicans than people thought. He would, and especially, I mean, you have to go back to the fact of Boogie Cousins getting hurt and then what he was able to do after that, who he brought in with Nico on the team now, and basically just, you know, regrouping on the fly and learning how to win with different personnel. 
No, it's not easy to kind of reinvent the style of play, and the Pelicans have done that to a, a very big degree, and he's just kind of figured out the right kind of, I don't know, magic rotations, whatever you want to call it with this team, and you see it kind of permeating everything. These guys are really happy in the locker room. They're really enjoying playing with each other, and I think it's really the first time in New Orleans we've seen that in a long time, but the biggest thing that I think it's led to that I think has made some of the biggest difference for this team is the mental edge it's given them, and we see them close out games better than we ever have in the past. That's so true, and I think that's something that keeps coming up is just the chemistry with this team. And even Coach Gentry said it last night after the game. He said, there's no bigger cheerleaders on this team than the guy sitting on the bench cheering for the guy out on the court who's at his position. And the way that they pull for each other and just the camaraderie and the closeness of this team that we've seen I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes a difference. Having a solid locker room, having a group of guys that get along, want to play for each other, want to pick each other up when times get tough, that's what's going to make the difference down the stretch when you face adversity and you're down by 15, 20 points on the road. I mean, if those are the guys that you know have your back and are going to lift you up and come up with solutions instead of pointing fingers, that's the kind of stuff that's going to make the difference to winning games when they look like they're down and out. Yeah, and we've seen them come back now multiple times on the road uh, from 15, 20 points. And that's, again, in years past, I think you would have seen this Pelicans team just kind of throw it in and say, we don't care, whatever, let's move on to the next game. And this year, it doesn't seem like they're doing that. And I think that's one of the reasons they have a winning record on the road. And they're going to need that because Portland is not an easy place to play in whatsoever. So how do you think, how are you feeling about the bench going into this? We know there's Ian Clark, but who else is going to need to really step up for this team to try and help them maybe win this first round series? I mean, I think it's just going to come from wherever they can get it, which we've sort of seen, um, you know, as the seasons come along, you know, if anybody, if each one more can have a good night, Darius Miller can go off, even Nico. I mean, any of those guys, can contribute at any given night. And honestly, it just depends on the matchup, what, what people are giving them. Um, if Anthony Davis, you know, can't drop 40 points, which we know, we all know they would love to have that, but it's going to be across the board. And I honestly think it's just going to depend on the matchups and whatever unfolds with the particular game. Yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting because this roster does kind of lend itself to being fairly flexible where you can kind of adapt on the fly, whether you need to throw a Mecca Okafor out there to take some of the pressure off Anthony Davis. But ultimately, it is really going to come down to AD and how he plays. And Yusuf Nurkic, the center for Portland, did a good job of kind of taking him out of the game last time that they played a little bit. Is this a tougher matchup for Davis? Maybe it's easier for the Pelicans overall? I don't know if it's, uh, you know, a tougher matchup. I, I like to think that AD is just going to come into this series like a man possessed. Like, we know how well he can play. And he knows how important his contributions are to this team. And to be in the playoffs and to prove himself and to prove what he can do personally in the playoffs, I think he knows that he needs to have some of the best games he's had in his career. And the thing that always sticks out to me is that the Pelicans are 8-0 if AD scores 40 or more points. So just, you know, go out there and score 40 or more. Just just do it. It's just it's easy. We don't even need a game plan or yeah. anything like that. Just put up 40. We're going to win the game. We'll just ride that to an NBA title, I think, right? 
feel like that's a very solid game plan. Start with that and then, you know, let the let the other pieces fall into place. <laughs> Just kind of adjust off of that and then we'll be fine. There's there's no <laughs> issues here whatsoever. Is there anything else you're going to be particularly watching for in this playoff series that might either give the Pelicans an edge or anything you're worried about? Honestly, and you you mentioned this before, it, the thing that just has sort of intrigued me the whole season is just how well the Pelicans play on the road. And they still have a better record on the road against Western Conference opponents than they do at home. So you talk about, oh, well, they have to travel to the West Coast, and oh, Portland's a, a really tough p- place to play. Well, the Pelicans have proven that they can win on the road. So I'm not going to say that's a non-factor, but I'm going to say that's a very manageable factor. Um in the series. And then I also think about the travel and, you know, players getting tired, but they've had a back to back to back. They played six games in eight days. They won four straight in that stretch. I feel like they have been tested so much as far as endurance and fatigue and, and prevailing through that stuff that it's like, they're looking at this and like, okay, we have a game on Saturday. First of all, we're going to get there. I think they're getting there tonight. And then they have Friday to adjust game Saturday night off Sunday, off Monday, and then they play again Tuesday. So I feel like the way the Pelicans season has gone, especially in that one really tough stretch, I feel like I'm not really worried about fatigue, you know, at this point. Yeah, they're fairly battle-tested, it feels like. And I think right. that, that adds to that confidence that you had mentioned, that they just go on the road and they're like, whatever, we can, we can do this, we've got this. And I have never seen this team this confident and that winning road record, if it comes to a game seven or something like that, they're going to walk into Portland feeling very good about what they can do. So I, I'm not going to put you on the spot and say make a prediction, but how do you see this series playing out a little bit? I honestly, I'm, I, I still have confidence in the Pelicans that they can move on from this. And I think that they're, they're either going to win it in six or in seven. I think that that's kind of what I'm feeling with it too. It's not going to be the easiest series, but they should be able to get a win here and hopefully move on. So if they do manage to move on into the next round of the playoffs, how big is that for the franchise going forward into next year? Oh, it's huge. I mean, because not only are they making the playoffs period for the first time since the 14-15 season, but this is their seventh trip to the playoffs and they've lost in the first round five of the six previous times and they need this they need to prove that okay yeah we made it to the playoffs but oh we can also win you know a first round series and get there and then go from there but i think getting past the first round would be absolutely huge for them and just you know going forward that just to be in the discussion in the western conference because there's so many really good teams that the pelicans are never really talked about but you know hopefully this will just get them on the map and have people sort of, you know, take notice. Yeah, and then you add Boogie into next year, and then if you can convince the team to pay yeah. the luxury tax to add someone else in, this maybe becomes the, the year next year when you're looking at them maybe to be a dark horse a title contender or Western Conference finalist, and it'd be a huge step forward for the Pelicans. Karen, thanks so much for joining me here on Locked On Pelicans today. Everyone, give her a follow on Twitter. It's KC Loftus, L O F T U S, and make sure you check her out on WGNO. Thanks, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. 
So big thanks to Karen for coming on, talking some basketball with me, previewing that Pelicans playoff series coming up against Portland Saturday night. It's going to be fun. Don't forget bonus podcast coming tomorrow. Really taking a deep dive on this. We're going to look at some of these things that you're not expecting. What are going to be some of the key matchups? What are going to be some of the big one-on-one situations? And how do the Pelicans win this series? We're going to have that and more in another bonus edition of Locked on Pelicans. So make sure you listen and subscribe. So just a day after the regular season ended, we had a bit of a Black Thursday. You know, you've got the Black Monday in the NFL where every coach gets fired the day after the regular season ends. And we saw some of that here in the NBA with coaches being moved on. And one of the first ones that happened was the Orlando Magic firing head coach Frank Vogel. I'm going to play you a clip from Lockdown Magic. I'm going to comment on it right after that. This is Philip Rossman-Reich, the host of the Lockdown Magic podcast, coming to you with some breaking news. The Orlando Magic have fired Head coach Frank Vogel the day after the NBA season ends. Of course, a sort of Black Thursday, if you will, uh, as the season ends. Some of these teams that did not make the playoffs make their decisions to move on from their coaches. The Magic, though, moving on from Frank Vogel after two seasons. He wins just 54 games in his two seasons with the Orlando Magic. 29 last year, 25 this year. And while Orlando's 25-57 and season certainly cannot be wholly put On Frank Vogel, the team suffered more than 220 games lost due to injury to some key players throughout the season. Undoubtedly, the Magic were kind of churning in the water. They started off 8-4 and and then fell back into a lot of the bad habits that they've had throughout the last five years, throughout the last six years now, uh, and never really got themselves moving forward. This is a franchise that is seemingly at the bottom, at the the, the, just, uh, just the worst place they can be, and unable to take that next step forward. So the Magic, in their efforts to take that next step forward, are firing their coach. Seems like the logical and first thing to do. Except Orlando now has will have six coaches in the last six years. Ever since firing Jacques Vaughn in 2014, they've gone from Vaughn to Borrego to Skiles to Vogel. Now they'll have a new coach as well next year. Some of that is certainly due to the fact that they have a new new president of basketball operations now entering his second season with the team, and the team is expected to make some major, massive changes this coming summer. Vogel is not to blame for the Magic's problems. They still have a lot of roster moving to do, but whenever there's new there's a new boss, he wants to get his own per- people in, and it seems like that that was the move that the Magic are making today. Orlando Magic have fired head coach Frank Vogel. Moving in a different direction, uh, the fifth best odds in the NBA draft lottery as well. But for now, for Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. So thanks to Locked On Magic and Philip for sending that on over. Look, the Orlando Magic have been a bit of a disaster, and this is kind of one of those games earlier on in the year that could have come back to bite the Pelicans when they lost at home big time to Orlando in one of the first 10 games of the year. And Orlando is going to maybe blow it up. I don't know what this team is going to do, but when I look at the worst run NBA franchises, Orlando jumps out as the real first one. They have a number of talented players that are had, and then they've traded some of them. They've just let some of them go. They haven't really developed anyone. And you got to wonder what they're going to do with a guy like Aaron Gordon there as well. Don't forget Vucevic and some of the other different players they have. There was a talented team there at one point, and they just have thrown weird roster pieces around it. At one point, they went just all in on a lot of bigs. Don't remember Serge, or don't forget Serge Ibaka was there, along with these other guys they have in the front court that made things really crowded. There's Biombo as well, and I don't know what they were doing at any point in trying to build a roster and get into the playoffs. You know, the Pels doubled down on bigs with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. They quadrupled it down at times. What's five? I'm not really sure. Uh, Pentruple? I have no idea. Anyway, they did that, and it was terrible, and it didn't lead to any 
anything. So a real big, no big surprise to see them firing their head coach. But I think Vogel is thought of very highly around the NBA, and I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up getting another job. Just an absolute disaster of a situation there in Orlando. And quickly, before we jump to the New York Knicks and talk about that situation, because you want another dysfunctional mess, well, we've got one there. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked on NBA. That podcast is five days a week now. We're going to be recapping every single night of playoff action for you. You don't need to watch all the games. You just need to listen to Locked on NBA daily. So as I said, the Knicks fired their head coach, Jeff Hornacek, and we've got Locked On Knicks jumping in here to give you a little bit of a rundown on what happened in New York City. Breaking news out of New York today, the Knicks have decided to part ways with head coach Jeff Hornacek to the surprise of absolutely no one. He was picked by former president of basketball operations, Phil Jackson, and with his final year of his contract coming up, There was a deafening silence out of Madison Square Garden about his future. The question you might be asking yourself is, is it fair? Did he deserve it? That might be a little bit existential. Does anyone deserve anything? But if you're asking yourself, does this make sense for the New York Knicks as an organization in order to maximize their success going forward? I would say absolutely it does. Jeff Hornacek, unfortunately, was not the guy to get them where they need to be. If you want to know why, I'll give you a couple of reasons. First of all, the Knicks ranked in the very bottom of the league in three-pointers attempted and in three-pointers allowed. It was almost as if Jeff Hornacek was unaware of trends in basketball in 2018. When asked to explain why the Knicks lead the league in mid-range shot this season, he gave a truly baffling response that relied on math that didn't have any bearing on reality. It was truly disappointing. He had bizarre explanations for his questionable rotation decisions. At one point, he said Frank Nilakina, their rookie defensive stud, would not be starting because he would have trouble chasing the immortal Jody Meeks around screens. Interesting. KP's development stalled after a gangbusters first month, and Jeff Hornacek did little schematically to help him adjust to the added attention of being the Knicks' number one offensive option. His in-game adjustments left a lot to be desired, and he had question marks around his player relationships. Most famously this year, he got into a, what some people termed, near-physical fight with Joakim Noah, which made the Knicks have to send him home for the rest of the season. KP allegedly skipped his exit meeting last year, at least in part because of a frosty relationship with Jeff Hornacek. Is he the worst coach to ever be in the NBA? No, of course not. But in a league where every little advantage needs to be maximized, Jeff Hornacek was simply not getting it done. This is James Marcita for Locked On Knicks, signing off. Thank you, James, for that clip and the Locked On Knicks podcast. When you hear that, what's the first thing you think of? Because... I think I'm really grateful for Alvin Gentry after hearing that. And yeah, Gentry's gotten a lot of flack this year and at times seemed to be on the hot seat. And we know if they didn't make the playoffs, he was likely gone. But when you hear about the dysfunction and the awful situation that was going on in New York, your head coach clashing with your best players, not playing your best players because he doesn't really understand how the game works anymore, it seems like. Don't you feel really good about some of the things Alvin Gentry's done here? Look how happy DeMarcus Cousins is, a guy who's got a bit of a mercurial 
mercurial personality to him and has sometimes clashed with most of his head coaches so far in league. Same with Rajon Rondo. He was run out of Dallas. He didn't exactly have the best situation there in Chicago last year, even though he almost won them two playoff games with playoff Rondo. But now you've got him playing at his best level, responding well, even after he was demoted to a bench role with New Orleans in that 76ers loss that then when he came back into the starting lineup, played like a man possessed and started to lead this team, not him leading, but the team then went on a 10-game winning streak. Makes you feel really good about the situation here in New Orleans. And now both of those franchises, along with the Hornets and maybe a few others, you've still got Memphis as well, and the Phoenix Suns looking to try and add someone else into the mix. It's going to be a lot of kind of turnover here in the NBA. And right now the Pelicans look super stable, which I think is definitely a good thing. So that's going to do it for the first of the bonus editions here on Locked on Pelicans. Big thank you to my guest, Karen Loftus, sports reporter for WGNO. Give her a follow on Twitter. It's KC Loftus, L-O-F-T-U-S. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you guys either later tonight or tomorrow morning with a bon- another bonus podcast where we really break down some of the chess pieces in this matchup that we're going to see between Portland and New Orleans. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait for Saturday night. So stay tuned and make sure you subscribe to Locked on Pelicans to be alerted whenever the podcast drops. 